0: Hi, this is Peter Franchot, your state comptroller in Maryland. You're listening to the Conduit Street Podcast, the official podcast of the Maryland Association of Counties. Welcome to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale here with Michael Sanderson at 169 Conduit Street. Michael, it's good to be back in the office, plugged in. What's going on?
1: It is good to be back. You know, we I think like a fair amount of the workplace in in Maryland and elsewhere. We sort of circled the first week of July as settle back in, right, sort right. of soft reopen the office and so forth. It's been good to see colleagues to be you know back here with you in the in the formal studio tower uh, doing doing the podcast on site. You know, the Conduit Street podcast coming to you live from Conduit Street. I like that the
0: way it's supposed to be. Right.
1: So this is it's it's all good we're not over the chessboard like sometimes we used to do but uh, this is this is okay it's good it's good to starting starting to feel back like the normal flow and that, that's actually kind of our theme for for this app right
0: yeah along those lines being back plugged in we want to catch up today on things that are happening across Maryland we're starting to get back to the normal that you talked about Michael although We're still staying smart and safe here at Mako, and we know our counties, we know that the state, everybody across the state is still being smart, and, of course, watching those different variants. But for now, I'm really happy to be back as well. It's good to see everybody, Michael. But let's jump right into it today. We're going to talk about some of our county visits. We'll talk about our sister organization, the Municipal League. They had their big conference in Ocean City. We were down there. We'll talk about just a lot of meetings happening. And, And really, I think the theme is, as you said, things are getting back to normal. This is seemingly looking like a normal July You know, in Annapolis, once session winds down, there's all this other stuff that ramps back up, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. Um, we all sort of set our clocks around that weird 90 day calendar that the General Assembly has its session and, yeah, for, what, no, almost no matter what your area of focus is like like you know you're on the fiscal beat and you spend a lot of time with our budget and finance officers mm-hmm. people tend to think and think in terms of budget years and that's july 1 to june 30th happy new
0: fiscal year yeah, right yeah, that's right.
1: pretty exciting right did you did, did you have like noisemakers and stuff i did for, i mean
0: i had fireworks teacher and, daughter and yeah, all that right? yeah <laughs> sparklers
1: <laughs> got got to right yeah own it um so but So like the the legislative session sort of defines the annual policy process, but I think people like us and stakeholders in policy, you tend to work counter cycle a little bit. And now the dust has all settled from the General Assembly. We've seen what the budget looks like. We're kind of closing the books on 2020 and fiscal 21, and we're moving on from there. And a lot of Legislative and policy issues that were pending when they banged the gavel in April and dropped the confetti. Or, I don't think we had confetti Not this year, this, right? Yeah. yeah so. Maybe next year, <laughs> hopefully next <laughs> right, year. Right. right. But yeah, you know, none, nonetheless, when we metaphorically, you know, gaveled out, signy die, the end of session. Um, what you tend to do is say there's some topics that need attention between now and the next legislative cycle. So they always call them summer studies, even though a lot of the work ends up getting done in September, October, November, Mm -hmm. but still like summer is underway. Uh, There's a lot of that sort of stuff evident around town. Some of the meetings are in zoom rooms. Some things are starting to be in person, but it's, it's feeling like that, that, Counter Strike part of the session, uh, yeah, the session cycle. We're between legislative sessions, and work is underway on lots of other stuff.
0: And one of the one of the my favorite things in the interim is to to go and visit with all the counties, Michael, and that those visits are well underway too. We were just down on the Eastern Shore, and you know it's really good to be back in person. And I think you see those precautions though. Once mm-hmm. we go and see all these local elected officials, just to sort of give them a sense of what's going on up here, hear what they're worried about in their home counties and I always think that's super productive but what has your read been so far you've been crisscrossing the state I haven't been to all of them yeah. but the ones that I've been to they seem like they've been very very productive
1: um, definitely productive. It's, it, I mean, at its best, these conversations are, are really a good two-way exchange where we like to get the MACO president and someone from the staff uh, out to be on the agenda or to have a meeting with the elected officials in every county once a year. So ideally, we get out and, and we, we we talk with the county commissioners or with the council and, and sort of hear what their issues are on the ground, right? Uh, Right now, reopening is a really big, you know, really obvious topic. Almost everybody is in somewhere amidst a process of partially reopened, fully reopened. What are you doing with your buildings? What about your, what about your staff who used to be five days a week at the county office building? Right. Are you back to that? Are you ever going back to that? That's a, a hot topic that everybody wants to know. What are you hearing? What are you doing? Um, so that's been, that's been a lively conversation that, that just you know, snowballs in every county. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know we, we had bits and pieces of that on the lower shore uh, last week and, and and no surprise it's on everybody's mind independent of where your local caseloads right. are right. and so forth you're trying to think about how do you be responsive and and uh, and, and effective for your residents and, and services and so forth so that stuff has been has been interesting to talk about and of course we're trying to share some policy updates as well and keep them abreast of what's going on in Annapolis and what we've think is
0: coming around the bend. And one of the the consistent trends and consistent talking points is broadband too, right? And that's at a national level, at a state level, and at the local level. We know that a bunch of federal funding came down. The state is using a chunk of that to help with broadband. and, And we know counties are as well. But broadband and making sure people are connected, we saw throughout the pandemic, kids couldn't get onto their virtual learning, their parents couldn't go to work because they didn't have the, the internet stability to, to be able to do that virtually. So that is top of mind for just about everyone that, that I've heard from, and I'm sure the ones that I haven't been to are saying the same thing.
1: Yeah, and I think there's two parts to that, both of which are very relevant. I mean, some of this is money, mm-hmm. and and having federal funds show up to take some ideas that were like, well, we'd love to be able to do this. If we only had $17 million, we'd be able to reach all these people and and make those connections much more realistic. It's just, how do you find the $17 million? Well... Communities across the country are suddenly taking those kind of plans and putting them back on the front burner and saying, well, we might, through ARPA funds, have the resources we need to actually make some of this stuff viable. And uh, another part of it are the logistics of who are your partners on the ground, who are service providers in co- your community already, who can leverage and sort of be a force multiplier for whatever public sector investment is to be made. Right. I, I think the, the, the solutions are going to look different place by place but you're right there i have yet to be in a room with county officials where you couldn't like roll in the conversation of broadband like a little like a like a grenade right Right. you just sort of like pull out the pin and say so what's going on with broadband and then like just time your watch 25 minutes later they'll finally run out of stuff to you know to talk about it to you know if
0: you're if you're at the witness table in annapolis and you just watch all the lights turn on you know (laughs) if you're in a committee and you're like oh boy and all these questions are going to be it's the same thing as soon as yeah. you say broadband, everybody like, has something to say. Right?
1: Yeah, right. And so that's, I mean, that is, I, I think it's it reflects well that Mako made this a top priority for the last legislative session. Um, we supported a number of different bills. We helped, I think, build and and get a couple of them passed, and I'm really happy about that. And I think our members are very much, you know, looking forward to delivering on this crisis that has become even more forward in mind than it was.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a long time coming and we hope that with the combination of the the state and federal funds as well as at the county level and then that private investment and in those partners, we can actually make a really big jump forward in terms of getting everybody connected. And of course, Michael, broadband was a big topic at the Maryland Municipal League Conference that was just held down in Ocean City. Great event. It was great to be down there as well and see people in person. You know, I think it's a mix between people wearing right. masks and not. And so I think that the theme there is we want to do this. We want to get everybody together because we know how valuable it is, but we also know we need to be safe. We need to be productive.
1: Yeah. And I mean, to some degree we, 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 you got to put yourself in the shoes of all the, the staff who were planning a June event in like March and, you know, right. February and March and trying to run the traps on what an event might look like to be. Is this going to be fully in person? Are we, we going to have, you know, virtual offerings? How are we going to satisfy the needs of our, our members? I think they threaded that needle really nicely. Um, I had a chance to to spend some time in the exhibit area, which I was really interested in. You know, how is that going to look and feel
0: right and just Um, for our listeners that's a giant space at the ocean city convention center right so i'm sure it was interesting to see how many exhibits are going to be in here who was okay to come and and maybe it's not even the the exhibitors sometimes it's their bosses right who say well we're not doing any travel because of the pandemic right so that also plays into this too
1: i i think i think um they had a tough hand to play and pulled off a a really good and, and effective event. I think a lot of attendees and speakers that I had a chance to connect with were happy about it. There's, there's, there's definitely an appetite. um, I think at, at every level to to get back to the way we've done business and not everything is going to come back and roar back to exactly where it was, but it's tough to deny the value of an in-person event. I mean, I you know, we you've we, you've heard this anecdote from me a zillion times in the ice cream that, line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, you're standing in line to get your fresh fruit or your ice cream sandwich or your coffee or whatever it is, and those eleven minutes end up being I got as much done waiting for coffee mm-hmm. as I might have in an entire day and a half of traveling from office to office in Baltimore and Annapolis, these different state agencies. Right. Right. Um, that happens. Happens at the MML conference because lots of people are there, and it absolutely happens at the Mako conference, uh, where is definitely where you want to be in the middle of August. So
0: we are ramping up for that, Michael. Mako Con, August 18th through the 21st, at the Ocean City Convention Center in Ocean City, Maryland. And I think we were dealt somewhat of a better hand i mean it's not it's not everything is not shored up right We still have some things right. to think about. things are still evolving, but in terms of timing, yeah. we have definitely have more leeway in terms of getting speakers to confirm because back in March right. i'm sure a lot of people were saying, "What do you mean in person <laughs> right. we're, we're not doing that right so right. but now that things have uh, gotten somewhat back to normal, and again we're still being very cautious but This is going to be a big event, and I'm really excited. I mean, the phones are ringing off the hook here at the Mako offices. And everybody, that appetite that you spoke of earlier is certainly here, and we're going to see it in August in Ocean City.
1: It's very evident. So I I think, you know, we're going to have – Uh, the kind of event that our members and participants really deserve and are hungry for. Uh, it'll be a safe setting to have that kind of exchange. Uh, we're going to be following guidelines from the, the health experts on the ground and the lower shore on, on what they recommend us do with, you know, with, with seating placement and other things like that. So some things may look and feel a bit different, but in the main, I think we're going to have the, the general Contours of the usual summer conference. Uh, We'll have a lot of participation from state agencies, a lot of potential partners and vendors who can help your jurisdiction back home, and just tons and tons of content about. Best practices for your local programs, uh, lessons that we have learned through the last couple of years, and how do we chart the path forward as we hopefully are on our way out of these difficult times? Um, I, it's just, you know, one segment after another that, that I've been contributing to. I know you're in the same spot. Um, it's just, you know, a good speaker saying, as it turns out, you might not have thought of this, but we probably should talk about this too. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we need a fourth person on that panel. That's every day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah and right exactly. As things
0: continue to evolve and and you know new things pop up, of course you're you're trying to add and it's right. a lot. It's a lot, but but I think this is going to be great, and we're going to be safe. We're going to be productive.
1: Right. Yeah. I think I think it's going to be an excellent event, and all the indications are that there's a great there's a there's a great appetite to get back to it. So that's that's great. We want to facilitate that and and get get folks out there. Um, I, I think I think it's going to be just what the doctor ordered, and and I mean that literally literally and figuratively that we're going to pay attention to the medical voices you know on on the lower shore and the health officer tells us this is how you want to set up that room great, we'll do it that way, but it's also going to be what you know, the county engineer wants too, right? And, and
0: I have to plug, on August 18th, on Wednesday, You know, make sure you're there because we have our big tech expo, which has been a huge hit. We're going right. to talk about stuff like broadband, cybersecurity. Both of these right. issues have, have are huge blown up, right? pandemic, right? So right. that day has turned into a big thing, that tech expo. We have a lot of vendors there, a lot of new technology. So I have to plug the Tech Expo. It's going to be awesome. Make sure you're there on Wednesday through Saturday. It's going to be a great event. And Michael, also, I mean, you're going to hear at the conference from our affiliates, our county professionals. They all have affiliate sessions. And of course, you know, they are all, whether it's HR or budget, everybody is sort of dealing with COVID and we're taking those lessons learned and we're looking ahead. And we've been working with them, obviously, throughout the pandemic and now into the interim, not just on the conference, but their meeting and their, you know, these professional affiliates, these are county professionals. They want to know what other counties are doing. They want to hear from mm-hmm. MAKO. So those meetings are well underway, too. And that's sort of normal in the interim, you know, right. in, in in the before times. Right.
1: right? I, I think that's it's a very important part of what MAKO is and does, and it shows up at our conferences, but it's happening all year long, mm-hmm. that 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 you and I and our colleagues over the years who work on policy issues and so forth, we have a whole army of reinforcements of people who are the HR professionals or the IT professionals or budget and finance staff or the health officers and so forth from all of our different jurisdictions who can offer insight. Whether it's, hey, I, I read that bill, and here's the piece of it I'm worried about because I'm not sure that can work. Well, you know, blah blah blah. Right. Oh, oh I, I wouldn't have thought of that. Thanks so much. We'll get that into our testimony and make sure that there's either an amendment or something that explains it. But all the way down to now, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have some conversation about labor contracts and jurisdictions will share components with each other and they'll have a nuts and bolts workshop. That sort of thing might be two in the weeds for the big Mako conference, but that stuff is part of what we enable for professionals at the county government level. So right. you know Mako wants to help people at the level that's appropriate. What a lot of attendees are going to see at the August conference is the content that those professionals are pulling together. That's that's really suitable for a broad audience. So the kind of people who are following policy and politics, kind of people who are listening to this podcast, um, that's what we have in mind. We want to make sure the county commissioners and their ilk are exposed to the important issues at a level not as technical as what the county engineers might have at their own conference, just for the engineering staff. Right. right. So
0: I mean, I know I had a great meeting with our budget and finance officers affiliate. We had Andy Shoffel from the Bureau of revenue estimates come and talk about, you know, basically income tax distributions and, and how much money is coming in. And of course, our, our budget folks are always really worried about what it's going to look like in the future down the line after we get out of the pandemic, what's going to happen with wages and what's going to happen with unemployment. So, lots of those questions, mm-hmm. and, and that was great. And I know you met with our health officers today, and I'm sure that right. was also uh, packed with content.
1: Right. So, I mean, our, our health officers meeting today, um, and, and their meeting is probably still going on as we're recording, sure, sure. but they're, you know, they're pulling together uh, content on health equity issues and and that's that's a topic that they need to think about from a technical perspective as health professionals but there's also a broader perspective that's useful too right you're you you can be a county commissioner not a health professional but understand that you've got underserved pockets in your county who are not reaching you're not getting reached by traditional healthcare how do we reach those communities whether it's for you know the issue of the moment vaccinations or whether it's just for something else you know routine Dental care or whatever that kind of stuff is awfully important, and that's urban rural everywhere in between those those topics are important we're gonna we're gonna feature that stuff at the mako conference as well
0: and and you know another along the lines of getting back to normal we often see and we are seeing now a lot of state commissions task forces work groups you talked yeah. about that earlier the up. summer <laughs> studies right they're all starting to rev up I mean the nine one one commission the commission to advance next gen nine one one across Maryland been meeting for for many years now this is going to be the last year that they meet so a lot of stuff there in terms of tying up what we've already done we've made sure that Maryland has the appropriate fee structure to move to next general 911 we've made a lot of commitments in terms of transparency and resources for our 911 call takers to make sure they have what they need and then of course just just making sure that the the money that we're bringing in is being used only for 911 right so I think it's a lot of just just tying up loose ends and making sure that we're in a good place moving forward, and that everything is in place to make sure that we transition to next gen 911 9-1, successfully. So that has been going on, and that's a lot. I mean, we have a lot of subcommittees there, uh, you know, at least four times a week. I think we're, we're, I'm on a meeting right. about next gen 911. So that is well underway. And I know, Michael, there's a new school construction work group. It seems like there's a new school construction work group. Every, like every couple year, of years. Yeah. Year, yeah. so, so I know you've been paying attention there and I'm interested how that's working because there was right. a bill last session that was intriguing. So talk a little bit about the right. school construction work group.
1: Yeah. I mean, just sort of as a wet the appetite level conversation. I mean, school construction is one of these big community defining topics and county elected officials are not exactly well like they're not exactly the ones who they don't design the school but Communities really, really care about the condition of their public schools. It's, it's sort, sort of your identity, right? I As mean, they should, right? right? Yeah. So, uh, and, and so that's one of those things that if you're not paying attention to that stuff, you're not paying attention. Um, these, these issues of what the state role is in sort of design decisions and funding and what are the incentives to do one thing over another are, really interesting public policy. Like, I don't think you need to be a building nerd Mm -hmm. to actually like attend one of these meetings and get lost in how intriguing these issues are. I mean, I'm, I'm completely fascinated by the concept of incentives anyway. Like I'm a, I'm a, could have been an economist and, you know, so I, I still try and, you know, drop the occasional mention of, you know, marginal utility and other things like that, you know, to, to keep, keep myself sharp. But, um, I think incentives are super powerful and the state is largely the driver of the incentives for what kind of buildings we're going to have for the years ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, So, this is more than just public policy. It's like, how do our communities look and shape? And there's equity issues there. There's there's like design and development issues there. It's it's rich with a lot of stuff. And
0: I'm really intrigued by the whole community school approach, right? We were down right. in, in Caroline County and right. we saw a brand new elementary school. And I think we've probably talked about what Caroline County had to do to get that school built. They had to raise mm-hmm. their local income tax in an right. election year. Yeah. And it, it was not an easy lift, but that school – I mean, everybody there is so excited about it. It's a beautiful, beautiful school. But they've incorporated a lot of that community school model into that. And to me, that sort of seems like the future because you can justify, I think, more – building a school that also can be used for other things in the community you can justify spending that money. And I'm sure right. those are part of these conversations as well.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it is. And that's, that's part of a, there, there's a really tricky balancing act. Part of the reason that there's a school construction review or commission or work group seemingly every 18 months is this is really tough to find the right balance for what things do you create incentive for and against. Mm-hmm. And you know, anyway it's 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 a longer conversation that like maybe we stick a pin in this, and sometime before the year's out like I don't know I'd love to get I'd love to get county executive Gardner um Jan Gardner from from Frederick County has been the county rep on, I don't know three or four cycles worth of of these topics uh she and her staff have gotten really really up to speed on this. We'd, we'd, we'd have trouble containing it to one hour. I guarantee you.
0: That's for sure. That's for sure. So, <laughs> so that's going on. That's a big topic. Enterprise zones, another work group that's happening, mm-hmm. another quote unquote summer study. Enterprise zones, this is all about creating incentives for businesses to come into communities that need the investment, right, right? right? And there's a national conversation, I think, about what those incentives should be. And do businesses really need them? Do they work well? We're seeing that happen in Maryland too. But the bottom line is, Michael, particularly in areas where maybe in, in rural areas, maybe down in, on the shore in western Maryland, maybe in counties that border other states where you're competing with those other states for business, they find these programs very, very helpful. Generally, but we believe they are very effective, and we want to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. That there is accountability. So that's also happening, and that's a big, big topic of conversation when it comes to business incentives, especially in the areas that again they need the investment really, really bad.
1: Yeah, that 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 actually ended up being a perfect dovetail conversation when the MAKO president, um, Wilbur Levingood, he's a county commissioner from Caroline County. He and I were in Hagerstown with the Washington County commissioners. I think we were actually like the first non-county employees wow. allowed to be in the room and at the desk, and they like hosed everything down and say, right, yeah. Um, but as it turns out, we followed a presentation by their Department of Business Development, and the county staff was talking about expanding their enterprise zone and what they were you know what they were hoping to get out of that and if you heard the five minutes leading up to the mako presentation it couldn't have been a better setup for by the way this is one of the things Annapolis is. I mean, they're making a good faith look at whether these programs work. And I mean, I think Absolutely. I think you honestly you want policy leaders to do this, yeah. right? You should every so often take a, take a look and say, is this still viable? Is it effective? Do we have you know do, is, is do we have it in the bullseye or do we need to adjust? That's a, that's a healthy process. And what it
0: does too yeah. is it it brings yeah. everybody to the table, so right. you get all those perspectives. Sometimes you right. live in a vacuum and you're not getting out and hearing from the people that these programs are designed to help. So studying these issues and having these kinds of conversations gets all the voices to the table. And I think that's probably the most important thing when it comes to reviewing all the various programs that we have on a regular basis.
1: Right. So my biggest concern after that conversation in Washington County was that we may, might end up with too many people from Washington County coming to the next work group meeting because like they might bust people down yeah. because they were all fired up about, yeah, you know, we all want to talk about our enterprise zone. This is the, one of the best things we got going. it's That's good. I mean, I love having people fired up about
0: policy. And it's they great. do have a seat <laughs> right, at yeah. this work group and, and they're making that known. So yeah. that's good. You're yeah. right. I mean, that's good. Very good. And then, Michael, I, I, real quick, render assistance. This is right. an ongoing topic throughout the pandemic, even before the pandemic, but now more so. We just got an email today, and we were asked to with our with mm-hmm. MML, mm-hmm. with our sister association, to talk about renter assistance, mm-hmm. and so that's going to be coming up as well.
1: Yeah, I think I mean this is this is a classic um, hot topic that's sort of in the newspapers, and we're a little bit ahead of this, knowing that a combination of federal and state laws that are more or less like a moratorium on evictions. That's that's a little too broadly stated, but basically we didn't want to see a bunch of people lose their job, have no opportunity, and then get thrown out of their apartments as a result. Like society – would not benefit from that becoming a widespread thing and having 3 million renters suddenly homeless in the middle of a pandemic. Right. right? So, so at multiple levels, there were programs to offer rental assistance and other like, like eviction moratoria. As those things phase out, we've the, the state has suspended its state of emergency. A number of things are being phased out as a result of that. The federal government is going to flip the switch also. So what happens in the months ahead – We have some local jurisdictions that are going to use recovery funds to say, we want to provide renter assistance and here's how we plan to do it. Um, There are other things that are going to be, you know, we want to provide these grants to the owners of the properties and this is what we're asking them to agree to, to get the funds, that sort of thing. I think that the House of Delegates wants to delve into this, not wait until 60 days after the switches have been flipped and find out, oh my gosh, what happened, but rather what are we preparing for? Let's and that's us get prepared now. Yeah. So that's, that's, and that's, you know, I mean, the legislative process in Annapolis is not as rigorous in oversight as like Congress is over the executive branch in DC. Mm-hmm. So it's not a perfect analog, but, but having a legislative body with representatives from around the state, um, adds to a rich debate on things like this. So we'll be part of that talking about what's happening locally.
0: All right. So, the whole theme here today is is sort of getting back to normal, back into yeah. the swing of things. It seems more and more like a normal interim, if you will, and all of this stuff, Michael. This is basically part of what being on the Mako team is all about. I mean, right. is this this is right. a day in the life, yeah, maybe. a week, I mean, a week, we a, a month week. in the life? I don't know. I, yeah. I think I don't, a day. Hope, I
1: don't, I don't, it feels like all this happens every single day, but maybe that's stretching it a bit, but not not a ton. Uh, but I mean, but this is. This is the work that we do, right? So, so uh, it's difficult to explain to your auntie, you know, what what is it you do? And uh, these jobs are a little more difficult. It's a lot easier to be a, you know, a TV repair person and so forth. At least you could explain what that job is. Yeah, everybody.
0: The, the biggest question always uh, is, well, what do you do once sessions over? You just kick back, just you no, you have nothing go on the islands, right? Right? Like, no, right. I wish. <laughs> right. Hopefully, I mean, from what we've talked about today, hopefully people understand that. But, but that is always the biggest comment. It's like. Well, you guys just like hang out you you guys work really
1: hard when it's cold and then suddenly it's april and there's nothing else to do you just wait till january right so but i mean this is kind of a day in the life uh for for kevin and sometimes for me i've got some other things but i'm engaged on policy issues more and more and hypothetically this could be a day in the life for you dear mm-hmm. listener i mean as as i'm thinking about this you know kevin you and i are in the midst of building out the mako policy team between yes. between now and the end of this year we expect to have some extra staff joining us we've had we've had colleagues who had great opportunities fall their way yes. To, in a weird way, that's testament to the visibility and opportunities that you've received being part of the Mako team.
0: No doubt.
1: Uh, we put you on the witness stand. You're out there making deals. You're the one standing up and explaining things and mm-hmm. typing up the amendments and so forth. You, you get a name out there, and sometimes uh, <laughs> that works against our immediate interests. But we're building out the Mako team. And as we were talking about, well, gee, where, you know, Who, what's the, what's the magazine or newspaper or outlet that would have the kind of audience? That would include the people who would be good fits for me. You know, we're looking for people who are interested in Maryland. They're interested in politics and policy, and maybe even local government specifically. Sure. The kind of things that we do, you know, land use, environment, public safety, finance, budget, public health, all those things. got at all, like, right? We, we, got we, it all. we do all that I stuff. Mean, if you're
0: interested in any of that stuff, well, it's like,
1: well, who who's catering to those issues? It's the Conduit Street podcast. Pretty much. So, so you may not have realized it, dear listener and the teeming millions out there who are, who are waiting on every word from the pod, but this has been an extended advertisement for you know you know they have a thing on Zillow forgive me we just did a podcast with with the real estate uh, with the realtors a, a couple of weeks ago and there there's a thing you can do on the internet to say here's my make me move price uh, like tell you know here's the dollars to make me move out of my house well okay listener if you like what you hear and you think this is cool like make us hire you We're, we're going to build out the Mako policy team in the months ahead. And there's not a thing in the paper today, but over time, we've got aspirations to bring aboard some, some, some fresh faces
0: make michael hire you that's is it. the ask and we'll drop us a line we'll yeah. put some links in the show notes we'll also put some links in for the summer conference right. as well of course but and you can also make michael hire you once you're down at mako in august like you heard this episode <laughs> just, and just right. barrage him just, yeah just just get just, just, get just get find me there, I'm, i'll yeah. be easy to find you'll right? be there you'll be there <laughs> So we'll get all that in the show notes, Michael. We'll yeah, all I, there. I, I like it.
1: But as, as a practical matter, um, I, I, I do mean semi-seriously that, you know, uh, if you've got an eye for policy and you like this kind of stuff, if you've thought that, man, I'd love to be on this podcast sometime. Well, one way to do that is our colleagues on the policy team are always rotated in to talk about the issue of the day or something that they've been working on. That could be you.
0: That could be you. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it for today, Michael. If you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. That way, all of these episodes will be sent directly to the device of your choice. You can also follow along on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and then, of course, the Conduit Street blog. But until next week, this is Kevin Canale signing off for Michael Sanderson. Have a great day.